cleaning. Okay, so my wife did most of the wrapping this year, but I'm sympathetic to that. And, uh, you know, we're not there. We're not involved in entertaining. It's like all that's been pushed aside for an hour. And we are here, you know, to focus on the real meaning of Christmas. This is sort of a tinsel-free zone for like an hour. Uh, and so we ask the basic question that we ask every year. You know, I, I preach a different sermon every year, but it's pretty much the same sermon. It's, you know, different text, different angle, but it's basically addressing the same question that we have to ask every year, that we have to push aside all of the nonsense and all of the, the fluff to ask that basic question, why was Jesus born? And this is what Christmas is about. And, and we've kind of forgotten that. You know, it's easy. It's like, oh yeah, that's right, Jesus was born at Christmas. Somehow that's kind of gotten lost under the wrapping paper and drowned out by the cha-ching, cha-ching, you know, of the cash registers and it, somehow the, the narrative of Jesus sort of gets replaced by this very robust, uh, well-developed Santa Claus theology that we've sort of come up with, and that sort of replaced Jesus. But, but we remember that he was born at Christmas. You know, Christmas is the Christ Mass. That's where the term comes from, the Mass to celebrate the birth of Christ. And so we, we gather on this, you know, this one hour, I feel like, in all of Christmas's craziness, I look forward to the Christmas Eve service every year, and I've increasingly looked forward to it year after year, as that one hour we can just push all that aside and think about why was Jesus born and why, why is it so important that, you know, today and tomorrow, and I guess it's already tomorrow in some places, there are literally billions of people in some form or another marking the birth of this person who lived 2,000 years ago. I mean, what is that all about? And so I, I turn us again to the scripture. And I want to look with you at a verse, just one verse tonight, uh, this evening. It's Actually, I put it in the, the program if you want to look there. You can look in the Bible too if you'd like. But it's John 3.3. 3. It may not seem like a Christmassy verse to you at first, blush. It's actually not a verse from Jesus' childhood or it's not a verse from the Christmas story that Phil read for us earlier. It's from about 30 years after Jesus was born, later on in his life when he was an adult. And he had this funny saying. He said, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. It's an interesting phrase. You know, what does that mean to be born again? What does that mean? To, you can't see the kingdom of God. In other words, you can't see heaven. You can't see eternal life unless you are born again. It's like, what does that mean? It's, it's sort of a weird phrase. You hear that phrase, born again. It's kind of like, ooh, that's weird. You know, born-again people. I, I think all of us have the same reaction to the phrase born-again as we do to the phrase televangelist. It just kind of kicks off the same thing and I was like, eh, you know, what, what does that mean? But Jesus coined the phrase and, and I think it's intimately tied to why he was born. He was born so that we could be born again. Now, when Jesus originally said these words, he was talking to somebody else. He wasn't just randomly throwing out little you know, kitchen, uh, chicken soup for the soul phrases. He was, he was in a conversation with a guy. The guy's name was Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was an interesting character from the Bible. Let me just uh, read the two verses that come before this for you. It says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night. He was probably a little nervous to be seen with Jesus. And he said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can perform the miraculous signs you're doing if God were not with him. And then that's what Jesus says right to Nicodemus, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. 
So we learn two things about Nicodemus that are interesting. One, he's a Pharisee. Number two, he's a member of the Jewish ruling council. Uh, you know, the Pharisees were like, they were like super religious people. You know, super holy rulers. We might call them fundamentalists today. I mean, they were just really good at doing religious things. You know, it wasn't enough for them to keep the Sabbath day holy by not working. The, the Pharisees would get together and they'd have a debate. They'd say, well, when does the Sabbath begin? When does the Sabbath end? What can I do on the Sabbath? What can't I do on the Sabbath? Can I go for a walk? Well, maybe not too far. Okay, well, how's too far? And, and they would define all the rules of what it meant to be a faithful Jew. And so the Pharisees were like super hyper-religious types. But not only that, Nicodemus was a member of the Jewish ruling council. And just to give you a little history here, uh, the Jews, of course, were under the authority of Rome. But underneath Rome, Rome let different areas have a little bit of autonomy to some degree. And the Jews were ruled by a Jewish ruling council. It was 70 men called the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin ruled all of Jewish life. Uh, and, and that's to whom all the Jewish questions went to. So this Nicodemus isn't just a holy roller guy. He somehow distinguished himself enough that he's risen to the ranks of like maybe what we would call like the U.S. Senate today for America. You know, something of that prestige. And so here's this interesting scene of this really prestigious guy, this Nicodemus. You know, in your mind, imagine like an archbishop walking into the room. Or, or you know, if you're in a Muslim context, a mullah coming in. Or if you're at a Hindu context, like a, a Brahmin, uh, you know, some sort of high priest that's way up there above everybody else, walking in, and, and he says to Jesus, you know, we know that you are from God because of the miracles you do. And you kind of expect Jesus to, to be polite or something. I don't know. And, you know, and say like, oh no, it is my, you know, privilege. What, you know, that, then one of the Sanhedrin would come here. It's, it's really my honor to meet you, sir. And, oh no, it's my honor to meet you. No, you know. But instead, Jesus comes right out with, look, if you want to see the kingdom of God, you have to be born again. (laughs) Excuse me? What is he talking about? You know, we forget why Jesus came sometimes. But Jesus never forgot why Jesus came. That's the thing I love about Jesus. He was always on mission. He understood that he was born into this world to reconcile God to the people God made, to bring them back together. And that included Nicodemus. And so he wasn't awed or overwhelmed by Nicodemus' pedigree and his religious uh, superiority in some ways. He just put the truth right out there. He says, you've got to be born again. So what does that mean to be born again then? What? That's such a funny phrase. Well, I, I think we can say what it doesn't mean. It obviously doesn't mean literally being born again. I mean, that... That would be bizarre. Obviously, Jesus is speaking figuratively. Nicodemus picks up on it because Nicodemus says, How can a man be born again when he's old? Nicodemus asks. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. I mean, I know you're not talking about this literally, so what do you mean, Jesus? I know another thing that it probably doesn't mean to be born again. Being born again doesn't mean becoming super religious, necessarily. Because Jesus is talking to a super religious guy. And... And he says to the super-religious guy, no one, and that would include him, can see the kingdom of God, can see heaven, can see eternal life, unless you're born again. You know, and again, you know, Nicodemus is, is super-religious. He's a Pharisee. He's uh, proven himself. He's risen in the ranks of Judaism. He has, like, a Ph.D. in what it means to be a faithful Jew. He's one of these people who is, you know, who you look up to, who's proven himself as successful. Not only that, 
Another thing I notice about Nicodemus is he's really open-minded. A lot of the other Pharisees have kind of written Jesus off at this point in the story. But Nicodemus is very open-minded. He comes to him and says, I know you're from God. I want to learn more about you. You know how sometimes like religious people can be really closed-minded and narrow? Well, actually, non-religious people can be closed-minded and narrow too. But you know how people can be closed-minded and narrow? <laughs> well, Nicodemus was a refreshing change from that. Because here's a guy who comes in and he says, you know, Jesus, you're not from our mold. You're obviously different, but I'm here to learn. I, I want to understand where you're coming from. So I think like according to our conventional wisdom today, we're like really religious guy, important, successful, distinguished leader who has risen in the ranks, a very open-minded, kind of uh, interested, curious person. I mean, if there's anyone who would we'd say, yeah, that's a person that's on the, on the right path. That's a person who's got it. That's the kind of person we'd look at. But Jesus looks at him and says, you must be born again. So what does that mean? Well, Jesus goes on to explain. And I'm just going to read you a few verses. I don't have time to get into every single bit. But I just want to listen. Listen to this repeated phrase, the Spirit of God. Okay? He says, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born, then he says, of water and the Spirit. Okay, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind, which is another reference to the Holy Spirit, blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. Ah, so to be born again is identical with being born by the Holy Spirit's power. And I, if I had another like 30 minutes to just launch into the sermon that I'm really repressing right now, I would, uh, t- I would take you into the Old Testament and show you Old Testament prophecies about the coming of the Messiah that also said that when the Messiah comes, God would send His Holy Spirit to change the hearts of His people. That not only would the Messiah come to forgive their sins, but that God through His Holy Spirit would change their hearts. And so really, this being born again, it's about... It's about having your heart changed, is what it means. Not just being religious, not just being good, not just being open-minded and tolerant, which are all good things, but that at a deeper level we have to have a transformation of our heart that's so dramatic that it's like you were born again, like you're a new person. So when this happens to you, you look the same, you live in the same place, you've got a lot of the same problems. You're married to the same person. You have the same friends. And yet everything is different because something deep within has changed. That's what he's talking about. Um, you see, you know, I, I talked about how we're kind of pushing back for an hour here, all the tinsel. But you know, there's a lot of other things we're pushing back tonight as we sing these songs in this kind of cheerful environment, which I love. We're also pushing back the reality that we live in a world that right now you know, people are killing each other with guns. That it's a, a world filled with war and poverty. There's a world with oppression out there. And we're sort of pushing that out for a minute. For a lot of us, we're pushing out the fact that after this, we may have to go to family events or tomorrow. And, uh, you know, speaking of wars and uh, you know, oppression, um, you know, we have to go to these family gatherings where, you know, certain people don't talk to certain people and there's this kind of weird social dance taking place where people are trying to avoid interacting with people or touching on certain topics. Or, or maybe you just don't even get together at all because 
the you know wrongs have been done to such a degree that people are divided. And so, you know, the reality is that that there's something wrong, I think, deep within us. And that's what Jesus is getting at. We need a new heart. One of the interesting things I've kind of discovered as I've read about different world religions, different philosophies, is, you know, there's all these differences. They are very different. But there's some commonalities. And one of the commonalities I think I've seen is that all of the world philosophies and religions seem to agree that there's something wrong with the world. They disagree on what that is and how it's to be solved. You know, Marx says the problem is economic inequity, and if we just spread out the money to everybody, well, then we'd have utopia. Um, uh, You know, uh, Freud has told us that, no, 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 the, the problem is things that were done to us when we were babies that affected our subconscious, and then that plays itself out. And so, you know, that's the real problem. And, and, you know, those may be part of the problem, but I think sometimes those are more symptomatic. The thing that I've found so compelling about Christianity and about Jesus is that Jesus took the problem and he says, you know where the problem really is, Jeremy? It's in your heart. It's not how much money you have or what your parents did or didn't do to you. The problem is you, Jeremy. And as much as I don't want to hear that, it sure rings true with my personal experience that, that when I really look at it, the problem is that deep within me is a profound self-centeredness that, that I just can't fix <laughs> no matter how hard I try to be religious or put on religious garments. You know, maybe if I do this and become a pastor, that'll fix me. You know, it's, it's still there. There's something in me that's bent. It's profoundly self-driven, self-righteous, self-centered. Jesus said that the two greatest commandments in the Bible were what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And number two, love your neighbor as yourself. And I do an assessment at the end of the day and I say, have I really done that? And have I really loved God with all my heart? I mean, maybe for a moment. Have I really loved my neighbor as myself? Like, I don't really like my neighbors. They're creating traffic. I mean, you know, I wish they would... Whoever these people, I wish they'd get out of my way. I'm trying to get places. Uh, Have I loved myself? Yes. I've been very good at loving myself. Oh, wait a minute, that's not one of the commandments. You know, I, I've said this before in sermons, it's, it's so interesting. I never had to teach my, I have four kids, I never had to teach them to lie. I never once had to teach my kids a lesson in how to cheat in a game or how to be self-serving. But I have to teach them how to share. I have to teach them how to focus on others. I have to teach them about God. I have to teach them those things. I don't have to teach them to be self-centered. So there's something in us. And what Jesus is saying is, to be reconnected with God, we don't just need to fix economic injustice, although that's important. And we not only have to deal with emotional issues, although those are part of who we are, but at the base of it, we need a new heart. And the thing that I find really irritating about that is, there's nothing I can do about that. (laughs) You know? Like, I wish God would say, all right, Jeremy, what you need to do is, you know, 25 push-ups and uh, give, a, you know, $1,000 to a charity and say this prayer 10 times and then you're going to be all set. I go, okay, I can do that. But that's the essence of our broken condition is that it's, again, I want to be in control. I want to run the show. I want to do something. And so to be told you must be born again, it's like, but what, what do you do to be born again? Nothing. You know, what did a baby do to be born? Nothing. It just kind of happens to you. 
You know, you're born. Like one day you're not, and then another day you're born. Like, what do you mean? In other words, I have to come to grips with the fact that my heart condition is so dire that I can't even fix it through self-help, 12 steps, self-improvement, as helpful as those things may be at some more superficial level. I need God to change me in a way that I can't change myself. And as a sinful person, I find that very irritating to be in that state of childlike dependence upon God. But Jesus came. He was born so that we could be born again. Jesus was born to do the one thing for us that we cannot do for ourselves, which is to give us a new heart, to change us on the inside, so that we wake up and we're the same person on the outside, we have the same job, we we live in the same house, and yet something is completely different inside of us. Jesus came and died on the cross to wash away our sins. He was buried. He rose on the third day. He ascended to God's right hand. He poured out His Holy Spirit. And so now that Spirit can come and change us. And and that's the amazing experience of of following Jesus, is that He changes our hearts. So, um, you know, we're pushing out all these these things for now. And in a few moments, we're going to sing a few carols here. And uh, I love some of these little town of Bethlehem. You know, we're going to sing a few more carols, and then, and then this, then we'll it'll end, and then we'll go back out into the world that, that we've been pushing out for the last hour or so, and and that world will come back in. And I'm just saying that maybe while we have the world pushed out for a moment, what about asking Jesus to come in? You know, we spend most of our time immersed and crushed by the world and holding Jesus out. But what about pushing out the world and saying, Jesus, I need you to do for me the one thing I have never been able to fix for myself, which is to change my heart, to forgive me, to make me a new person. That's really what Christmas is all about. Jesus came to make that miracle happen. So as we think about Christmas, as we think about and go back out into the, the world blazing with tinsel and lights and parties we have to go to tonight and social events tomorrow and wrapping paper flying and trees, you know, with lights on it. And as we think about the, the problems and the brokenness in our life, I would, just, I would just invite you to think afresh about why Jesus was born to give us a new birth. In fact, it's right there in the song we're about to sing. You see on the back of the program, Hark the Herald Angels Sing? Maybe there's a line of this carol that will make more sense. It's in the third stanza, fourth line down. Why was Jesus born? He was born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. And so I just challenge you, don't be satisfied with mere religion. Don't be satisfied with mere self-help. Or, you know, It's not enough just to go to church or to meditate or to donate money to a good cause, even though that's good. We ultimately need a new heart. And the only person who can give that is Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for being born to deal with our most fundamental problem. And God, we just stand before you tonight in a mixture of of wonder and awe as well as sober reflection, God, and we recognize just how powerless we are to change ourselves. Lord, when we look in ourselves, we see there is so much self-centeredness and even sin. And God, we just pray that by your power, you would change our hearts 
Lord, we pray that Christmas would not simply be a sentimental or family holiday for us, but that each of us would come face to face with the power of God from on high to change our hearts and to give us faith in Jesus. So, Lord, we look to you and pray that you'd work within us tonight. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.